Before we get started, we'd love for you to take a survey that would help us improve the Building a StoryBrand podcast. Just go to storybrand.com slash survey. Fill out the survey by December 31st. If you do, you'll be entered to win an Amazon gift card. Fill out the survey and help us make an even better podcast in 2020. Just go to storybrand.com slash survey. Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. J.J. Peterson. Hi, J.J. Hello, Don. J.J., it is Christmas time. I know. <laughs> it's the best time of the year. Oh, this we have is... already done our staff Christmas party. Yes, which was unbelievable. It really should just be called a toast-a-thon. It, it is. Because it's roughly three start, hours of toasting. Yeah, it's like, you know, during the dinner, first, you know, say salad is served, and then, you know, soup is served. And between each of them, we just can't help ourselves. We stand <laughs> up, and everybody has to give a toast, and it's really just about like honoring somebody else. It's not a toast to like no. the the year or anything. It's really like people get called out by name and like you were amazing this year and it, it's just it brings out fun. the absolute best in human beings. Yeah, it really does. You know what's interesting about this time of year is there's this theme of this time of year of belief. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you don't believe in Santa Claus, he's going to not be able to fly his sleigh, according yeah. to the legend of Elf. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> the movie Elf. Santa! <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> you know, it's all about belief, and believe in each other, believe yes. in... It really, there's something... I think it's a fantastic part of the fabric of our culture, yeah. is this idea of just bring out the better angels of your nature every year, yeah. and sort of a set point sets the moral compass for the rest of the year, we yeah. keep coming back to it. It's really fascinating. I would say belief is also weirdly uh-huh. the theme of this episode of the podcast. <laughs> I wouldn't even say weirdly. I would say it is. It is. <laughs> and even and there yeah. is yet a business application. Oh, 100%. And the application is this. Do you believe your own story? Yeah. Do you believe the story that you are inviting people into? You know, that's what we do at StoryBrand. We help you figure out a story that you can invite customers into. And what better example of that, especially in Christmas, than Chandra Bell? Chandra <laughs> yes. runs the company Elf on a Shelf, yes. which is more than a book. It's a company. Yes. And in the interview process, I discovered pretty quickly she actually believes that she sells real elves to go into real homes <laughs> and fly back to the real North, North Pole every year to report to the real Santa. Yeah. She is not budging from her narrative. No. And it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it, it really is, is. Like, you kind of first go, ha, ha, ha. And then it's like, oh, oh. This is really, I think the biggest part of it is she believes so much in her product and in the story that she's inviting people into. She's also selling the story, which is another- She's selling the magic. She is. You know, the magic. It's not just like this thing that she's selling. She's selling magic and belief for everybody. She's inviting everybody into that magic and belief, which is so fun to hear her talk about. Yeah. And- for me, that's like such a huge lesson of saying, no, it's stand firm in the story and invite people into the magic of what your business does. you know, does. we just did something with our staff. We went through a mission statement process that we have. It's on Business Made Simple University. You can go through a mission statement made simple course. And we actually took this as our staff. Yep. You know, and we are transitioning from just StoryBrand to StoryBrand and also Business Made Simple University. StoryBrand will be under Business Made Simple University. This podcast is not going away. Don't worry. (laughs) Uh, But Business Made Simple University is the mothership. And part of the mission of Business Made Simple is to disrupt the university system with much cheaper, actually practical education. Yeah. So if you get this for your entire staff, let's say at Trader Joe's or some grocery store, 
You could actually say, look, I'm going to graduate from high school. I'm going to take a year at Trader Joe's and go through the Business Made Simple courses. Yeah. There'll be about 12 of them. Get the equivalent of an MBA. Get paid to do it. And then I'm going to go to college, or then I'm not going to go to college. Yeah. That is what disrupts the university system, and that's what we're building. It would be very easy for us to say, well, we've got some online courses. They're really great business courses. But that's not the narrative. The yeah. narrative is we are disrupting the university system. And in order to actually do that, this team, as well as our stakeholders and all our customers, have to believe that that narrative is true. Now, yeah. that narrative happens to be true. Yeah. But we actually have to buy into that narrative in order to make this work economically. The same is true for everybody who's listening. What is the narrative? What is the injustice that you're fighting? Have you gotten your team indoctrinated around it? And are you presenting that to customers and inviting them into that? That's what we've got to do, and that will make all the difference for you in 2020. If you've not figured that out, take the Mission Statement Made Simple course at businessmadesimple.com or bring in one of our facilitators to actually take you through it. But you've got to figure out that narrative and invite people into it. That's one of the reasons I love this interview. Yeah. And it was actually inspirational to me after I did this interview. We did it a few weeks ago. After talking to Chandra, it was just, I want to believe my true story as much as she believes this fictional story. <laughs> I want to buy into my true story as much as she believes elves fly back to the North Pole yeah, and yeah. talk to Santa. I think that's the gift that we have for you on this episode of the podcast is what does it look like to actually believe and the power of believe and what the power of belief, even in a fictional narrative, can do in the real world setting real little kids' moral compasses. It's actually fascinating. So we won't delay. Here's my conversation with Chandra Bell. She's the CEO of Elf on the Shelf. And then you and I will unpack this in a minute when we're done. Shanda, thanks for joining us. You guys are busy right now. <laughs> Working for Santa. We are we are never off. Yes, that's right. Well, I'm actually just curious because I think most people, will, if they're not familiar with what you're doing, they're about to be. And just ask any of your kids. They know what's going on. But uh, what are the busy? I mean, when does it start getting busy for you? Because it is a seasonal business, right? Well, that's such a funny question because I think as any business owner would attest, you're never off. Yeah. We laugh at time, all of our employees, because people ask us in any time that's not just November or December, you know, what do you guys do all year? Oh, gosh. There's, I mean, there's a lot to do, right? I mean, you're planning, you're creating new products. Exactly. We are the voice of Santa Claus, really. We <laughs> are the North Pole. And so it takes us all year to prepare for what is this, you know, eight weeks of November and December uh, le leading up to the arrival of Santa Claus. I'm just curious because we have a bunch of business owners, business leaders listening. Have you been had to be very careful about revenue coming in during the fourth quarter and then creating very strict budgets so that you're not overspending until the next fourth quarter? I mean, you, we all kind of have to do that to some degree. What percentage of your revenue comes in fourth quarter? We have seasons of business, right? And right. so I think it depends on what department you're in. And so clearly our adoption centers <laughs> are going to load in um, elves much earlier and take pickup and all of that kind of stuff in the late summer, early fall months. So you do have revenue that starts to generate then. And then, of course, you have you know our more seasonal, in-the-moment type business, and that's where our money rolls in more on the consumer side. Right. So I would say um, it is feast and famine um, about <laughs> six months of the year. Um, but our team just does a super job. They're excellent. We have roughly 100 employees that all work for Santa Claus That's now. That's amazing. And really, I think everyone does a great job really sticking to their budget. We plan all year for these moments. 
people who don't really get our business model and get what we do consistently try to say, you know, you need something that's year round. You need something that's not so seasonal. And while there is so much wisdom in that and there are opportunities to make money outside of the season, our vision is about owning Santa's North Pole and becoming the voice of the North Pole and answering this question. You know, there's wisdom both ways, and I think you chose the path with even more wisdom, and that's focus, right? Know right. who we are, know what we do, don't chase every dollar. Yeah. You have not broken into the entire market yet, even though it feels like you have. You've got a long way to go. So until you do that. Okay, so anybody wondering what in the world are you guys talking about? Yeah, like, why is this lady who thinks she works for Santa Claus? Let's go all the way back to an elf on the shelf. Yes. Where did the idea come from? How did it become a book? How hard was it to get it published? And then what happened? Okay, so wow, we're having to go back about 15 years. I'm old now, so I can't remember. 15 years is not long, and you don't look old. (laughs) Especially as a business owner. So it was roughly 2004. I'm a former school teacher. I taught language arts and social studies and reading for six years, loved every second of it. In public schools? Yes, public schools. Thank you. Congrats. Thanks for doing that. Thank you. I loved every second of it. It was what I was called to do for that season of my life. And it really did help me connect with children's literature and writing even more. And what I realized now was how much I loved teaching because I loved the idea of being creative and introducing something in a way no one had ever thought of it before. And I didn't know all these other jobs existed, right? I didn't know that there was a chance to not only be a writer, but also write and direct and produce. And, you know, I run a marketing department. It's just all the fun things that I do now that I love about my life. But in 2004, I didn't see that any of that was possible right. for me. Now, were you naturally entrepreneurial even as a, a teacher? You're a born leader, I'm sure. And so I'm sure you ran your class maybe different than other teachers. But were you envisioning any sort of entrepreneurial success at the time? <laughs> we were so broke. No, <laughs> no. I'll tell you what, though. When people say you should go back to your childhood hmm. to figure out whatever it is that you really loved, we would play everything entrepreneurial. So we would have lemonade stands, and we had a charm school, and we had our own Is we you and your siblings, or who's we? Yes. So I run the company with my sister. We are co-CEOs. Very cool. And then my brother. I have a younger brother. And so we spent our days drumming up these businesses, you know, um, in the yard, inviting or forcing neighbors to participate. And so people I've heard, and I think it's so smart, you know, if you want to figure out what it is that you're good at and what you actually enjoy – you know, what did you play as a child? And for us, there was always some business. There was charm school. At one time, we trained pets at our house. I mean, my, my poor parents. Um, we were snake hunters at one point, <laughs> um, which didn't go very So you were far, hired we by tried. neighbors to get rid of snakes? Is that kind yes, of, that was the business model? like a garter snake in the yard. And I remember we posted signs on the front of the neighborhood. And my mom, some neighbor came by who had an s- actual snake problem yeah. <laughs> and said, the neighbor said, oh, there's snake hunters. I'm going to call them. And somehow my mom found out it was us and was like, no, that is my kid. Do not call them. <laughs> I was telling somebody a story the other day. My sister and I sold lemonade. And during the, you're too young, but the Jimmy Carter gas crisis, you could only buy gas every other day. I just missed that. Yes. Yeah. So we would sell. Thank you for calling me. (laughs) We would sell a lemonade to the people waiting in line to get gas. And then I never thought this was a weird story until I told it at dinner the other day. 
a house in our neighborhood burned down, and the firemen were so hot, they were working so hard. My sister and I literally went, that's a ready market. And we went over and charged them. For- <laughs> See, I look at that as opportunity. That is genius. <laughs> That Not very kind, but it was, it was. Yeah, really, really. <laughs> so you had that spirit too. I mean, you were just like, uh, let's start a business. Yeah, I think so. So I uh, taught school, um, was a stay at home mom. Mm. My husband and I were, I mean, when I tell you broke. So <laughs> we had uh, our grocery budget was $150 every two weeks. And that included the diapers and the formula and all the wow. baby stuff. Wow. So, so we just had nothing. Off brand goldfish. And, That's right. And top exactly. Ramen. Whatever yeah. we could do. And there was a lot of ramen noodles at yeah. that phase. But I knew or felt like the right thing for me was to stay at home. And so that's what I did. And my sweet dad, who has since um, passed on, hmm. he um, had a small engineering and fabrication firm and invited me to bring my son with me and do some invoicing and bookkeeping and things like that for him two days a week. So it was during that time that I'm working for my dad. He's given us a computer and a phone. I would stay with my mom and dad one night a week. So my son, would we'd wake up in the morning. We'd go over. The drive was about an hour and a half to two hours away. Gotcha. Okay. So we would go. I would work during the day. I would spend the night with my parents that night and work the next day and then head home. So I was working two days a week for my dad. And it was during that time that my mom was actually going through a really hard time. Mm. So she had some health issues and my dad's business wasn't doing well. And it was just a really difficult time for our family. A lot of change. I'm a new mom. Yeah. Um, I'm now working two days a week, but coming back and forth. And so it was during that time that I spent the night with my mom um, that I looked up one day and I saw our elf that we grew up with sitting on a shelf. And this is just an elf that was just a Christmas decoration that lived in the Christmas yeah, box. Yeah, so it's the elf that we grew up with as a child. Gotcha. And that my mom had told us was watching and listening for Santa Claus. Ah. So we had this experience as kids growing up. And so I look up and I see the elf and I say to my mom, you know, mom, we should write a book about the elf. <laughs> and really there was no intent there to start a business There was no intent even to really publish it. The whole idea was this needs to be a fun project, something to get your mind off your present circumstance and something you and I can do together. And so that's what we did. We started writing this story on these nights. It took maybe six months. We'd go back and forth. And then you have something, right? You have this precious story based on our own family tradition, and you either are going to do something with it or it's always only going to be a good idea. Right. And so we embark on this journey with absolutely no experience, no money. Around here, we say you got to put the ball in the end zone. You have to execute. You have to get this all the way through. You know, a mom and a daughter writing a book about a Christmas tradition in their family, that's just ripe for not getting the ball in the end zone, right? You're right. So what is it about the two of you that just went, no, we're going to take this all the way through till it impacts other families? I think what we knew deep down was that what we had was a really special family tradition. Like, that was our driver. Gotcha. Regardless of what anyone else had to say to us, we knew that if we could get families to just try us in their home, that they would fall so in love with it the way that we did that it would change their lives. It would change their Christmas. And so that was really our driver, more about truly sharing our experience and what we loved so much about Christmas time with the world. It was not about starting a business. In fact, we had no idea we would be starting a business. Yeah. 
So really all we have at this point are some words in our Microsoft Word. <laughs> that is that is what we got. You had not hired an illustrator. You'd not done any of that work. It was just you wrote the story. Yep. So we wrote this story and we're like, okay, now what? We love it, but what are we going to do with this? And so my mom and my sister and probably anyone that knows me would say I'm extremely tenacious hmm. and I'm definitely a finisher. Yeah, so like, good. put your mind to it, get across the finish line. And so we had no money. We had no experience. We had no resources. We had no business really doing this at all. And the industry told us so. So we bought a book like Jeff Herman's Guide to Everything You Would Want to Know About Publishing. Right. And it had agents and proposals and that kind of stuff in it. And we selected 10 random agents. We wrote a proposal and we sent it off. And I had done enough research to realize, like, you know, getting an agent so hard, all that kind of thing. And we got a phone call in a day and a half. So I am thinking, like, this is our ticket. You know, it's going to happen. Somebody wants our story. She thinks it's great. And she took it to all the publishing houses and everybody said no. Hmm. And we have some of those wonderful rejection letters, you know, that any entrepreneur would get. You know, you're not famous. Kids don't like rhyming, rhyming books. Yeah, there's an algorithm that they go through even before they read the book. Yes, you know, this is destined for the damaged goods bin. Yeah, it was all the things. Right. We didn't have money. We didn't have prestige. We just had this idea. And at the time, what we were doing was so foreign to anyone. There had never been. Now people launch stuff and they're like, oh, it's like Elf on the Shelf. There was nothing like Elf on the Shelf. There was no, you know, product that came with a book that you were going to integrate into your story or into your family that was alive, if you will. Right. So we end up, no one wants it. And so again, you're left with a good idea. What do you do? And that's when we decide, okay, the agent mentions to us self-publishing. And I remember thinking, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard who would do this. (laughs) And how would they even get the money to do it, right? So we had nothing. We didn't know people with money either. But what my husband and I did have and I hope Dave Ramsey is not listening because he will poo-poo this. (laughs) But what we did have was good credit. Yeah. and I know Dave. He's a gracious man. He is a gracious man. He'll give you one strike. Give you one strike. He's gracious (laughs) enough to have us on. And I was like, I know I'm saying stuff totally (laughs) counterintuitive to what you preach. But I prayed about it quite some time. And my husband was very frugal with money. But he is and still is and was a school teacher as well. And um, I knew in the moment that I mentioned to him that this was the path we were going to have to take. And he looked at me and he said, yeah, I think that'd be okay. I knew this is what we were supposed to be doing. It was really a sign from above. Yeah. Yeah. And so we ended up um, starting the company. Well, I didn't, again, still not even knowing was the company at that point, starting right. the book by self-publishing. And you, you really just wanted other families to read this book. There was, that's it. That's it. Yeah, there wasn't that any, is it. this could turn into an industry and there was just no, no, there was no business plan. Yeah. There was no, I mean, it was like three or four years in before I'm even, I'm listening to things and I'm like, oh, what is this business plan people speak of, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's roughly three or four years in before we even got there. So we end up, you know, learning everything you can. The internet even was new. At the time, there was no social media. Mm. Um, And so you end up getting on board. I knew just enough to be dangerous um, and researched just enough to find out how to get these words on a page made into a book. 
But then you have to get, you know, this doll from Santa Claus. We had to get an illustrator. We had to do all of these things all on this very, very limited tight budget. You somehow published it. According to the definition, we're still self-publishing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> which which ended up probably being one of the most amazing things about the whole company is that you now have control over that IP. You would have been messed up because, you know, the first book contract I signed, people don't realize when you sign a contract with a the publisher, they own the book. They own the words. Right. Right. And they, you, they're just giving you a honorarium on the words that they bought from you. They're no longer your words. Yeah, and it's, it's similar with music. So for you to do derivative products would have been a legal nightmare. Had you, it would have, it would have been. And so, yeah. good move. Thank you. You know, I am convinced things happen for a reason. Yeah, and really, for us, it was the best possible thing. Now, at the time, it seemed so dark and impossible. Because you've got this really fun story, you're excited about what you've done, but you're thinking to yourself, first of all, like, if we don't pay off this credit card debt, like, like I'm going to jail. Like, <laughs> that's where we were. You know, there was no backup plan for that. I did not, you know, I'm a former teacher. My husband's a teacher. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. Um, my sister had now joined the business. She had no money either. And so we were all just sort of in this together. How'd you sell the books? It was, it really was like door to door. And lemonade I stand style. People, yes, it was our lemonade <laughs> stand. I remember saying, you know, I will stick these in my trunk and sell these out of the back of my car if I have to. And so it was like, hey, my church hosted a book signing for us and yeah. we had a big launch event. And it was, you know, who do you know? Family and friends. I'm curious, how would you sell it? Because there's a lot of people listening who probably be curious about this. I mean, did you, did you read from it? Did you say, Here's a tradition that my family did. You should do it too. It yeah. starts by reading the story. Or did you just sell books and then people came back and said, "We love the story. I want to get one for my uncle." You know what? Yeah. I mean, how did how did how did you sell the books? I think it's all of the above, right? Yeah. Um, I think with anything that you're trying to sell, whether it's a business or a service, you've got to get down your elevator speech. Yeah. So even though this this tradition was complicated, um, it had a book that told you what to do. It came with the elf from the North Pole. It was like, you better know how to tell people in 30 seconds to a minute what this is. And so we came up really with all of these tactics, these guerrilla tactics to get people to stop and even talk to us. We would go to little trade fairs and shows, and they'd never seen anything like that. The early packaging and the packaging today, but I, I assume the early packaging was just the book, but it wasn't. No, it always came with the elf. Oh, you did so, get into credit card debt. Yes. Yep. So it always <laughs> that was came expensive. with the elf. Yeah. I, we drove all the way in, right? We Brilliant. We drove all the way in. Yeah. And I'm actually shocked because this packaging that I developed way back then, which I laugh at now, I mean, now I know that there are industrial designers and engineers and packaging designers and all of yeah. this stuff. But this packaging that I developed literally 15 years ago is still the packaging we use today, um, only it had a ribbon that tied it up with the elf, um, and now we use a magnetic clasp. So we've really uh, upgraded in that way. Yeah. But, y you know, that's where you're just like, oh, my God, I can't believe this still holds up once you know what you, what you should have known at the start, yeah. right? But how fun is that? that it, you know, because the power of the story, because it's such a winsome and wonderful story. Thank you. The power of the story drove everything else. Right. And so I think to your point earlier, for us, if someone else had gotten this book, I am confident it would have been out of print by now. 
what it took to stop people, to get them to talk to us, to get them to listen, to you try this in their home. figuring out your message. You right. The elevator out. speech we had to give. You know, we were giving away balloons and blinky bracelets and anything that would take a little time and one person would distract the kid while the other person is sweeping in with the, the speech. And this is a real elf that talks to Santa Claus. And, you know, you can register your elf's name on our website and, and all of those things that we knew would resonate. Yeah. And so that's really how we got started. It was word of mouth. People were talking about it. Um, and I think at the end of our first year, we'd ordered 5,000 copies of the book and we sold all 5,000 copies. At the end of the first year. So you were able to- At the end of the first year. Did you pay off your debt? Or We did. And then I needed more debt <laughs> <laughs> because now I'm like, oh, okay, we've got something here. I'll be right back with the rest of my conversation with Chandra Bell in just a moment. Some of you are actually looking for last-minute Christmas presents, and we've got one for you. Give a subscription to Business Made Simple University. That is four courses, Mission Statement Guiding Principles, Messaging, Marketing, and the Enneagram. Plus, we will be adding courses all year on sales and execution. We'll be adding courses on how to write a proposal. We'll be adding a great course on negotiation. I actually took a course from a Pepperdine professor on negotiation. Saved me $800,000 in the coming months after I took the course. We decided to film that course and give it to you. It all comes with a subscription at Business Made Simple University, and you can get it for anybody. If you know somebody who's trying to develop their career or grow a company or even deciding whether or not to go back to college, it is perfect for them. Just go to businessmadesimple.com and click Give as a Gift. Go to businessmadesimple.com, click Give as a Gift, and your loved one is going to love it. Okay, I can't let you go any further without, and I know it's been a long time, but what was the elevator pitch? I mean, give me the, you know, you got you got somebody walking by. What'd you do? Yeah, it is hard to go back to that because now, you know, we have this whole North Pole of characters, right? Yeah. And people know. But the, but the general idea is that you would open up the book set and you would show them the book on one side and the elf on the other. Yeah. And you would say, you know, this is a real elf from the North Pole that talks to Santa Claus. And when I was a little girl, you know, we had an elf that came to us. It watches during the day. It reports at night. And in the morning, before your kids wake up, he'll fly back from the North Pole and he'll land in a different spot. So it's like a hide-and-seek game. You can register your elf's name online at elfontheshelf.com and get your own letter from Santa Claus. I am your elf in. has been registered. I'm this in. elf hibernates <laughs> in its spots until it gets a magical name. Don't miss out. <laughs> You know what? I mean, that we're all in, right? But yes. that I know because this is what we do for a living. That took a long time to figure out. It took a long time to figure out what not to say. Yes, because you want to say you want all to say stuff. everything, right? You want to say all the stuff. You have got to figure out. Sometimes I meet with. I can even think of a nonprofit that I work with, and I mean, he's coming in, and all the work they do is great, but I'm still like. But what is it? Right. What is it in one minute? And specifically, well, people I, we would, say eight seconds. I think a minute is really generous. Yeah, and if I had to get eight seconds, I could. This is a real L from the North Pole that talks to Santa. Claus, you do, right? well, yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. But that eight, that getting that eight seconds right, gets you eight more. Yes. You know, and then that's all. That's the whole game. Is I just want yeah, ten you more just now. I want keep that interest just a little bit. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so what? How exciting was it for you? And and give me a funny story or something from a parent who bought it that you know early on, and you just went, 
okay, this is what happened in this house. We love this. This is really working. Because that had to be a morale booster for you and your sister and your brother. Um, definitely. You know, there's so many. I think the ones that really resonate the most for us are the ones that are so heartfelt and heartwarming. Hmm. It was very, very early on in that we had heard a story about a little girl that had um, select mutism hmm. and she wouldn't speak. And I think she was roughly seven or eight years old and actually got up in front of the class and talked about her elf on the shelf. No. For the first time. It was the wow. first time the yeah. teacher and that class had heard this little girl speak. <laughs> so the impact that what we do actually has on families. I mean, yeah. they're adopting a member of this North Pole elf, uh, you know, into their family. And the effect that that has on families on families. And, um, I think those are the things that probably resonate more. I mean, there's lots of funny, hilarious stories too, about elves that got touched and kids taking, you know, caution tape and, you know, mapping out, you know, where the elf fell and, um, all those types of things. <laughs> but I think it's probably the heartwarming stories or the yeah. elf names. Those yeah. are fun too. We get those a lot. Yeah. All right, Shanna. So you got a hit. I'm curious about a few things. Now, I think you're, you're a natural leader from the beginning. My wife, her family adopted a little girl named Glow, and Glow has a strong personality. She has from the time she was an infant. So I call her my little CEO. She's, she's eight now, and I'm like, you're going to be a CEO. And I hope that she d- never feels the pressure to do that. But some people are just born with it, right? Like you can see yeah. it. But at the same time, you're an artist. And yeah. so how did you walk that line between being a natural leader and an entrepreneur and an artist? And, you know, a lot of people, they, you know, I work with a lot of artists who really, they want to make money and they want to grow their company, but they mm-hmm. will not, you know, compromise or sell their soul or do these commercial mm-hmm. corporate things, even though they want to. And right. and I just kind of go, you know, that's your loss. Your, your, your impact is going to be a lot less because you don't understand the mechanisms that actually create impact, which are commercial mechanisms. Yeah. So how did you walk that line between being an artist and, and running a company and you are, you talked about it a little bit at the beginning where you you're not chasing every dollar, you know. No. But at the same time, you've got to run a company. How did you walk that line? So I think to your earlier point, focus is key. I think my sister was really instrumental. Um, she came from big corporate um, and worked at QEC and really kind of brought so that. She like, under, so she's a big addition to this. I mean, she really oh, understood definitely. how to sell merchandise. Definitely. We would not be where we are without her. Um, she really understood the value of creating the brand, being bigger than anyone. I mean, so there there were times where we would literally fake multiple personalities when people would call our office because <laughs> it was just it was just my mom and sister and I. But she was always like, "You need to be bigger than what people think you are." And yeah, so we would literally be yeah. like, "Oh, you know, one moment, let me get Louise. Hello, hi. <laughs> she's, she's in the warehouse right now." Um, but she really understood the power. and the warehouse is the that part of the kitchen. Yeah, and the warehouse was sitting right next to me. Yeah. Legit. <laughs> that is brilliant. Yeah. So she really understood the power of the brand and you've got to be bigger than people think you are. You've got, got to come across that way. You've got to focus. We can't be everything to everyone. You knew what to say no to early. Right. This group uh, oh. approached us and they were like, you know, you need a new fangled elf that does this and that. And it was really the simplicity of the tradition that made it so unique and simple. Everyone could participate. Everyone could be a part of it. And I think for me, where where my role comes into the mix is, you know, I am a true creative. And it took me a really long time to really understand that about myself and to even know that that's what I loved so much about um, teaching school. I loved being creative, whether it was a bulletin board or a unique 
presentation, you know, and how to present the story. And so for your listeners that don't know, I am co-CEO, but I'm also an author. I write and direct and produce and all of those things. Um, But it took me time to get there and to understand that that was what I was good at. So Krista kind of brought that like business focus. We actually are a business and not just a self-published book. We've got to focus our brand name, be the only elf. Uh, not any elf will do, only elf on the shelf will do. Hmm. She was instrumental in, in part of that. But then for me, to your earlier question, I've realized about myself that I'm a storyteller. Hmm. And so very similar to what you do, I oversee consumer marketing in our business because it's all about telling yeah. our brand story, our universe story. Yeah. Inviting so, people into that universe and exactly. play a part in the fictional fun of the whole sto- narrative. Right. Which you're right. amazing at doing. Fun, exactly. And what's fun about what we do is they are a part of it. Every parent that, that embarks on our journey is a part of it. What I love about what you're doing, just you naturally, you are demanding that this is in real elf. You're, you're like, this yes, is not. A, I work for Santa This Claus. is not. We pretend that no. You're no. like we are the North Pole. It's in Atlanta, Georgia. This yes. this is a real elf. This yes. elf really, you know. And I wish we could all learn from that because we're passive and afraid to even invite people into a real story. You're confident in inviting people into a fictional story. Absolutely, you, I love it. Yeah, I mean, to me, I learned this too from Maxine Clark, who started Build a Beer. But it company culture. I mean, who you are, every person that works in our office, regardless of ethnicity, belief, religion, regardless of any of those things, they know that we all work for Santa Claus. (laughs) It's what we do. Yeah. And so we tell his stories. We are his voice. Um, And it has to be authentic. You know, people know when they're interacting with something that's authentic. Um, my sister's always said, you know, people buy from people they like. And so yeah. for us, authentically embracing the fact that we are the voice of Santa's North Pole, whether it's, I mean, we received thousands of letters, thousands, hundreds of thousands of correspondence um, from kids at Christmas time and families, parents call. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but as the voice of Santa Claus. And so when you put on that hat, you understand that your role is really like bigger than yourself. And when you understand how people interact with all of our characters, whether it's our elf pets um, or our elves who all have a specific job for Santa Claus. So they're doing it in a way that that kids love, right? Kids get to help Santa Claus um, by bringing the spirit of Christmas, which is faith, hope, and love as we describe it. And that's what Santa uses to make his Christmas magic. So they get to interact with our universe, but mom and dad do too. So it doesn't isolate them. You are a mission-oriented human being. I mean, there's just no doubt. And all the research that we've done on story really indicates that it does set a moral compass in the human brain. And people learn what is worth sacrificing for, what's worth living for, what's worth dying for, all of that from narrative. And you have taken willingly the responsibility to set the moral compass in the brains of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of families across this world, and you, you own that. How did you communicate, and what did you say to your team to get them to buy into this mission and say, this is why what we do is good for the world, and if we don't do it, Somebody else telling a story that may not be very good is going to affect these families. How'd you get that buy-in, you know, from top to bottom in your organization? Okay, so I think there's the answer is kind of twofold. I think one, it comes down to who you hire. Hmm. And the reason I say that is because what we do has to be so authentic and it has to be an authentic outpouring. 
And so that's going to come from authentic people. In an interview, how do you see that? What are you looking for? Well, our HR team does an amazing job scrubbing, yeah. you know, slow, slow to hire. So they go through quite a few rounds of interviews. And in some cases, it's cost us candidates because we don't move as fast maybe as other companies. Right. Um, but I'd rather get it right. Because if you get it wrong, either they weed themselves out quickly, they don't stay. We have a really hard working team. There's no space for not delivering. They are high performers. They demand a lot, but they are great people. And they love what they do. They're excited about what they do. They bring that to the table. I literally would put my little army of people up against anyone's. I mean, they're amazing. I have an amazing team. And their hearts are all in the right place. And we enjoy working together. You can be miserable at a million other jobs. You know? So I'm like, no. At my company, you know, let's, let's enjoy what we do. Let's all embrace that. And so because of that, because of the type of people we're looking for and how our focus um, and our value system is around FIRE, family, integrity, respect, and excellence. And it's not something we just say. It really is who we are as people. Yeah, You kind of have to have that ethos to work with us um, and to stick around and to be a part of that. And so I think that then translates into you roll out this new vision. So originally our vision was our elf on every shelf. Yeah, And then we looked at that about four years ago and said, okay, we're more. We want to do more. We want to be more. We've got this reindeer now. What is he? How does he fold into this universe? Did a lot of work on the executive team with, you know, who are we? Who do we want to be? What do people want from us? And when we saw how they were engaging around us being the voice of Santa's North Pole, it's like this makes the most sense for yeah. us. Yeah. And, and it's a big, it is a bigger vision. I mean, you're going to take responsibility for. Right. We're going to answer every question kids have about Santa Claus Gosh. and the North Pole. Yeah. But it's the greatest like mythology of our time, right? Yeah. Um, but. With, in my opinion, and what flows out of us, I hope, um, the spirit of what I would say is St. Nicholas, right? Generosity, kindness, caring, um, things that parents are trying to imbue in their children, especially at the season of Christmas. And um, because we look for those types of people that we hire, I feel like when you call our customer service, when you engage with us on social media, you are getting an interaction from that group of people that is authentic because it's who they are. And they have bought in now to the vision of that's what we do. We're the characters, stories, and lore of Santa's North Pole. We are his voice. And they all understand how Christmas spirit is what makes Christmas magic. And Christmas spirit comes from humans. And so to your point, it's all storytelling. It is. So I go in, I tell the stories, I write the books, but then there's all these other questions that come up. Well, does... How does Santa's Christmas magic really do that, you know, and all that kind of stuff? And I'm able to answer those questions because I sit at this crux of creating the story, but then also helping uh, master the universe, if you will, um, as a co-CEO and managing all the creative aspects of the business. Shanda, you are an amazing example of smart business, smart artistic storytelling, smart building of community and loving your people. Uh, smart, uh, accepting agency. When a lot of people would say, well, who are you to be the voice of Santa? You turn around and say, who's anybody to be the voice of Santa? We can teach faith, hope, and love, and I'm going to do it. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Give me the ball. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I, and I think for business leaders that are listening to you, I think for me, it's being willing to evolve. So like when the elf first came out, you know, all the book says is that the elf watches during the day, reports to Santa at night. And then in the morning before the kids wake up, the elf flies back from the North Pole and lands in a different spot. 
Well, all of a sudden, over the course of the years, we started seeing elves really engage in, with families in bigger, different ways, right? Yeah. So not every elf, but lots of elves, you know, I don't know, decorate the Christmas tree or spell out hello with M&Ms or, right. or any of those things. And so what we realize as a business is you've got to be willing to embrace how people are. You get to participate in the storytelling, too. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, of course. You would be the one to say that. I should have quoted you if I said <laughs> say that, but I, I, you, you beat me to the punch. Exactly. That's wonderful. Shannon, this has been a terrific interview. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. Uh, you would too. you do me a favor? Tell Santa I say hello. You know what? I will. I'll make sure you're on the good list. I'll check on that for you. We try. We do everything we can. Hopefully uh, somewhere mid-January you guys get a little bit of a rest. I hope so. But until then, thanks for everything that you're doing. Thank you. Appreciate it. JJ, the power of belief. Oh, I'm back. I'm back in the Christmas spirit. <laughs> Not that it really ever left me, but like I just couldn't happen it. to a better person, right? <laughs> For She's real. really wonderful. And what I love is the story of like, you know, we sat, we wrote this book for our family. We invented a story as all families do. Yeah. That story ended up really shaping their family's moral compass. Yeah. That spread to a few other people. And now it's a really global phenomenon. Well, and the other thing that I love about this time of year, we talked about the season is there's a little bit of whimsy that comes back in the air. Right. You know, like around Christmas. You can be playful. And I have so many friends who have so much fun. I mean, you know, a lot of parents are like, I have to find a new way of putting the elf on the shelf, you know, but, <laughs> but they have so much fun. I love seeing like Instagram pictures and stories of the way people have fun with the elf. And the whole idea behind this, the book and the gift and the tradition behind it is really about whimsy and magic. And I love that. And anytime that we can even find ways, a story brand of bringing a little whimsy, like into the live workshop or something, you know, it just brightens people's spirits. And I think as I was listening to it, one of the things that I just love about the Christmas season is we get back to a little bit of a childish heart and a little bit more whimsy and that allows us to believe in the greater good in others and the greater good in the world that maybe we lost a little bit along the and way. And you gotta wonder if, you know, it's not wisdom going back to a childlike heart. There's, For there's, real. There's, there's, you know, ancient text that talks about <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> and she certainly lives it out. Chandra Bell, thank you for being an inspiration to us. Merry Christmas to you. Hope Merry that Christmas, you and, everybody. Uh, everybody you love, especially your team that you get to work with. I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas season. We are always grateful that we can serve you through this podcast, and we can't wait for 2020. Yes. You have big goals, big plans, and I know you do too. All right. Music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's music on Apple Music or Spotify. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. (laughs) 